Hello, Emma. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. With Good. me on today's episode of Spooks is Emma Kennedy, also known as Alex K. Now, wait a minute now here. When I first, I've known you for some years now. Yes. I've met you. You're called Emma Clapperton, right? Uh-huh. And then you get married and you're called Emma Kennedy now. To the Correct. Uh, and now, but you're right under the name Alex Kane. I do. So I think we'll have to think of a name for you for the podcast, and your Spooks podcast name will be Alec. Alex. No, I'm just going to call you Alec. Oh, Who's you're just going to call me Alec. Well, yeah, okay, that's my dad's name, so that's I'm used to that. that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding, you know, we'll call you. What do you want to be called? Emma, Emma or Alex? Well, I answer to all, so whatever you're comfortable with. Well, I think just so as we don't confuse our listenership, we'll Let's call go. you Alex. Yeah, I think that's the right thing to do. See, I was the same problem with Mason Cross. Because what do you, I mean, he's got three different names. What do you call him? And, ah. and I went, and I was in Belgium with him recently. And I thought to myself, now, what am I going to call I mean, you know, and, and so you can call him anything at all. People mm-hmm. call me lots of names, but for an entirely different, you know. <laughs> I'm sure not. <laughs> oh, yes. Be, be assured. Be very assured. <laughs> now, You are one of the most pugnacious, tenacious, determined people I think I've ever met because probably not not a lot of people listening to the podcast will realize this, but you have had a pretty hard road to becoming a published author, which has involved um, a number of, you signed with two publishers, one after the other, Mm -hmm. and both of them collapsed. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. So basically, I have been writing for coming on 10 years now. Um, And uh, yeah, like you say, it's been a bit of a bumpy road. I self-published my first uh, supernatural thriller novels uh, back in 2012 and then was signed up with a publisher. Um, and it started off quite well. I had a launch in Waterstones in Glasgow. Sales were, were doing okay. And then it collapsed. I was there. Yes, you were there. Yes, you did. You you were the host for that uh, that launch, that which was, was about four years ago now. Um, <clears throat> yes. How long ago is that? Yeah, four years, yeah. Good grief. I know. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that that publisher collapsed and uh, rights were reverted back to me and I just kind of did a bit of an edit, put them back on uh, Amazon, self-published and just continued to write and look for other publishers who may be interested in my work. Um, I then signed up with a publisher which I never ever thought would happen um, with quite a big publisher um, based in Scotland and again uh, things didn't go to plan and they collapsed also. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, this, this, I mean, I remember being absolutely delighted for you because mm-hmm. this was, this was no insignificant publishing house, and, no. and I think we all, all of us thought that that you know that it was rock, rock solid. Yeah, uh, and so that made it an even when a, when a smaller publisher collapses, well, you know, sometimes you aren't surprised, but yeah. when a company the size of of, of their reputation and 
the kind of the the, the back catalogue of of authors that they had, it was a real shock. Yeah. That, so that would be the biggest blow of all, was it? Uh, it wasn't great, um, considering I found out on the way to my hen weekend uh, <laughs> with all my friends. Yeah. So uh, the the good thing about it was I had a bottle of prosecco by my side when I found out. So that kind of eased the blow a wee bit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as it does yes as it does so I just kind of put it to the back of my head and I thought you know what I've I've, I've come across this before I've managed to deal with it something else will come along I just have to keep working hard and I'll see how things go sure so yeah so it was a bit it was a bit stressful I mean I mean when you've worked so hard and you've you've aspired to be a writer for so many years. I mean, I know your mum's a major book and radio fan. She loves books and radios and all to do. Yes. Is that where you, you're sort of the inspiration? I mean, yeah, I think uh, I think when you grow up, obviously uh, my day job is uh, working in the early years. So I know a lot about child development and the yeah. importance of um, literacy and books and all that kind of stuff around children. So I was lucky enough to grow up around lots of books and people who read and read to me. Um, so I think that's obviously where that stemmed from. Um, my mum always had a book. I always saw her reading. And the first crime writer that I was ever aware of was Denise Minor because my mum was a huge fan of Denise Minor uh, and she had all her books when I was growing up. So I think that's mm-hmm. kind of where the love of, of of the word came from, really. Well, Denise is an incredibly talented writer, as you, as you know. Yeah. Um, as we all know. Uh, and... So you decided, what what age do you think you were when you said to yourself, right, I'm going to write a book myself? This is... Well, I actually have a wee story. So uh, I I wrote my first book when I was 11 years old. Really? Yeah, I wrote a book. I didn't know that. No, I haven't told a lot of people about it. And I hope that it's lying somewhere in a a dump far away that nobody will know (laughs) that it was me that that had written this book. Um, Basically, I took the kind of inspiration from little women and had lots of female characters in it i just bought a like a notepad from a stationery shop uh, and just wrote this story about this family with lots of sisters and i now you just dropped out a wee bit there emma don't worry about it this is the world of podcasting it happens all the time yeah um so Um, so the book that you've written is based on little women yeah, it was it was based around the idea of Little Women, um, and there was lots of sisters, and I don't really remember much about the story itself, but I just remember wanting to write, and all the, and this is very cliche, but when your teachers asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up, it, my answer was always either author or journalist. Um, yeah, I was the same. Yeah, and then I ended up in childcare, so I don't know what happened, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, life happens to us. So I mean, that's exactly kind of like what happened to me. Yeah, I mean, you plan one thing and then it all goes pear shaped, and you end up doing something completely different. Yeah. So you had you wrote this wee book. You had aspirations to be a either a journalist or an author. Mm -hmm. Did you explore the the journalism route? I didn't actually look into it at all. Uh, I got into high school and uh, well actually that's not necessarily true I, I took media studies um, in my fifth year at school and I really enjoyed it um, yeah. but I just didn't pursue it um, I left school and went straight into an apprenticeship um, and gained qualifications in the job that I do now um, and just mm. stuck with that and I never really looked back down the journalism route 
but the love yeah. of books always stayed with me. I was always reading um, and I kind of read a bit of everything. Uh, and then I hit the age of about 22, 21, 22. Mm-hmm. And sure. had a conversation with a work colleague and her partner was writing a kind of gangland thriller based in America. So it was kind of like um, that uh, there was a, a book like kind of American Gangster, the film American Gangster. She kind of described yes, it huh? like that. Um, and she said that he'd been writing it for eight years and she didn't think he was ever going to finish it. And that sparked something in me that I thought that's actually quite sad. That he's put all this effort into this book and has all these plans and he doesn't have the desi- the desire to finish it. So I came home from mm-hmm. work that day and said to uh, my now husband, uh, I'm going to write a book. And he just kind of thought, it was like, okay <laughs> whatever whatever works for you um, on you go dear yeah and I, and I spoke to my family about it and they were like well you've always kind of thought that you would do it one day so why not and mm-hmm. 10 years later I'm sitting here talking to you <laughs> well, I mean yeah it just shows you how you know the, the pinnacle of your career is still <laughs> talking to me um <laughs> you know the, the, it's it's been a fantastic story and you know, you're now published by a relatively new publisher called Hera. Correct. Can you tell me a wee bit about the setup there um, and the way they work and and how you go about publishing? Because I know it's a reasonably new model. Yes. So basically, I discovered Hera Books um, in roughly October of 2018. Uh, again, getting ready to go to the day job. And I got a message from the lovely Casey Kelleher. And she had mm-hmm. said that um, her editor from uh, another publisher um, had left to start up her own publishing house and that they were looking for submissions and she thought my book would be perfect, which originally was called Chasing the Traveller. Um, for those who may have been aware of it, um, that was... I finished. remember it well. Yeah, it was supposed to go to the second publishing uh, house that I signed with that collapsed. Um oh Yes, so I sent a submission. I had a submission pack already made up on the, the computer. So I just I clicked on, sent it off, uh-huh. went to work, and four hours later I had an email saying that they loved it. They wanted to see the full manuscript. It was exactly what they were looking for, and... That's never happened to me before. Published, you know, when I've sent submissions. Happens to very few people. Yeah, that, that uh-huh. I, was, I mean, I, that, that, you know, normally the, the apocryphal story from authors is that off goes the manuscript to the wait seven or eight weeks, ten weeks, six months, and mm-hmm. never hear it. And then they phone back and they get the brush off, and yep. then they end up getting the rejection slip. We've, you know, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for me, there was lots of not not even a rejection letter or email. It was just I just I just they fell off the radar. I just never ever heard anything from them. So to have yeah. a reply four hours later it was quite a shock. So I sent the full manuscript off, and within two weeks. I had had a phone call with um, Keshney, who is the uh, co-owner of uh, Hera Books, along with Lindsay Mooney. Um, and I had had an hour and a half long conversation about uh, what is now No Looking Back and future books. And I signed a three book deal. And within two, two weeks, it was all it was all up and running. Um, so I feel very fortunate because I know that that doesn't happen to a lot of people. Um, I certainly I mean, didn't I- think it was going to happen to me. I think that's an extraordinary story in that, you know, after all these trials and tribulations, after all the angst and the worry and the thinking, oh, I might as I mean, to be honest, I couldn't have done that. If if what had happened to you happened to me, I'd have just have given up. Yeah. 
and I think a lot of people would. So, I, I mean, it speaks for your tenacity, as I said earlier on. Uh, Hera, Hera have a, a structure. They they start publishing it on ebooks, don't they? That's correct. They do. And you've now had your paperbacks are now coming out too because the books have been so successful. Yes. So No Looking Back came out in March of this year uh, on ebook only and absolutely flew. It completely like took my breath away. I had absolutely no vision that it would do as well as it did. Um, sure. And within a few months, uh, it came out on paperback uh, and it's available in the works. And they're looking to perhaps get it into Waterstones on the website so you can order into to store but that's maybe something that's going to happen in the future um, but I was really lucky I went to Harrogate for the first time this year and right. met, met Lindsay and Keshney um, in person which was lovely and they handed me my copies of No Looking Back and Paperback it was the most amazing feeling Aww. it was lovely um, so yeah they do they publish you an ebook first and then um, if your books are doing really well they'll look into getting the paperbacks printed and also No Looking Back is out on audio as well so it's, it's on audible is it available elsewhere like apple iTunes uh, yes i think I, if i'm Google not books. mistaken i think it is yeah i think it's across all platforms it's not just uh, amazon it's amazon kobo apple google um and then obviously audible uh, and you can download audio on kobo as well if i'm not mistaken yes you can mm-hmm. who, who, who's your narrator on uh, uh, her name is diane brooks Diane Brooks. Yes, she's fantastic. And she's who else has she done? She'll obviously have done other. She's writers. done Alison Bailey. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember what Alison's book's called. That's terrible. Um, but I had a little listen. Um, and she sounds she she because she's very good at adapting her voice to certain, uh, certain books and 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 kind of getting the reader drawn into the atmosphere and the environment of the of where the book's set. So she sounds very different on Alison's to what she does with mine. Um, and when I was sent the the audio kind of clip to kind of say, you know, do you like the sound of this narrator? I actually felt like I was listening to someone else's audiobook. I didn't feel like it, I was listening I to mine. I know what you mean. It's a very strange experience, isn't it? It's very strange. And she and and that's why I was like, she's done a fantastic job of just the first chapter. She's definitely the the narrator for all looking back. So um mm-hmm. yeah. And my second one, which is called What She Did, which came out in the summer, um, is currently just available on ebook, but perhaps we're looking at the same thing happening, hopefully, paperback, audio, that kind of thing. And you've got you've got another one that you've just are you in the process of writing? Are you I, writing? yes, I'm uh, writing the second draft for book three, which is due in by the end of the year to Hera, and we're looking at a release date of kind of early twenty twenty. So I mean that, that's that's a punishing schedule, isn't it? I mean it you've is. got another job outside writing. I mean I'm lucky enough that I just all I do is slop about and write. But you've got to, you've got a real job to go and do. Yeah, I work, um, and it's not it's not a job where I can sit at a desk all day and just hide behind the screen and just do no. what I need to do, and then that's it. You know, I work forty hours a week looking after two and three year olds, so which I love. It's so much fun, but it's exhausting, um, especially when you have to come home and write at night, and not a lot of time spent away from work is my own. It's well, I mean, that's what I was going to say to you. I mean, you, you've been married for was it two years? Two, two and a half years. Two and a half. Goodness gracious! Time I know. Mind you, I was I was in the hospital for half yeah, of that. You were. But, I know. God bless me. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a wonder you're talking to me at all. <laughs> 
Oh, you made it. It's fine. Well, I'm, I'm so, touch wood. So far, so good. <laughs> Every morning's the dawn of a new opportunity. But but uh, so that you, you're newly married. You've just moved house. Yes. Um, you've got a very active family life. You're very. You've got a lot of friends. Um, and I, I don't hope you don't mind if we tell the story about the time you all went in the hen hen weekend across to visit Spain. Yeah. And you had the shirts printed up. And for what was it called? Uh, what was it we had printed? I can't remember. That's but shocking. Yeah, the t-shirts printed up to go. Oh yeah, that was my hen weekend. Um, what well, yours? And you ended up somewhere else. Yes. Oh no, that was my friend's weekend. Uh, yes. So we were we were going to Palma Nova, and we had um, <laughs> yeah, sashes made up of um. Donna's Hendu Palmanova 2015 and when we got to the hotel we discovered that our hotel was not in Palmanova it was in Magaluf <laughs> so we were all uh, wandering around Magaluf with Palmanova sashes on and we, we did get some strange looks but I thought you know what we're not the worst thing you'll see in Palmanova uh, oh, oh, in Magaluf no. definitely not so I think we kind of got off lightly but yeah I think that I'm going to put that in a book one day <laughs> Because I think Brian Scott could could do that, uh, because I thought that that story made me crease with laughter when I yeah. heard about it. Yeah. But you've got you, so you've got this busy social life, you've got this busy work life, you've got busy family life. You've got a lovely family. Your mother and your auntie Kathy are two of my best friends. <laughs> they, are. They, they are. I'm not even kidding. But they are. I <laughs> know. <laughs> and and so how do you how how can you possibly fit it all in? I actually don't know, to be perfectly honest with you, Denzel. Um, I actually that another story is when Chris and I got married. Um, mm-hmm. He, we were sitting at the top table, and my father-in-law did a little speech for us as well. And he mentioned that I was a writer and that I do it in my spare time and yep. uh, at weekends. And Chris actually shouted out to everybody at the tables. Sometimes I see her. <laughs> And I just started laughing because I thought that is actually us summed up. Like we're just, the two of us are just so busy that um, on a Sunday we try to make time just for us because it's his only day off from work, Um, which is sometimes difficult for me because sometimes the weekend is the time that I get most of my writing done. But you have to kind of draw the line. Uh, I mean, I I know myself. I mean, I'm fortunate enough not to have to do a proper job. Um, anymore but mm-hmm. you know even it's hard enough even at that because when you're a writer in effect you're running a small business oh yeah no it's so small because you've got the same pressures as everyone else has but whatever they're doing whether they're plumbers or electricians or bakers you've got the accounts to do you've got editors to deal with you've got all the things that you know the the, the ancillary stuff you've got to go on social media you've got to go to festivals you've got to go to book signings yep and it's really a different, and how you manage it with all the rest of the stuff that's going on, I, 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 I doff my cap to you. It's a Thank you. Achievement. It's, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit bonkers, but I don't think I'd have it any other way, to be honest, because it's kind of, you know, you, you do what you, what you do to make your, to make what it is that you want to do work. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm very grateful for everything that's happening uh, in Mm. my life at the moment. Um, And I could not be more grateful or more thankful for Hera Books. Um, And I bought Casey Kelly Hera a gin at uh, Harrogate because if it wasn't for her, (laughs) I would not know who Hera Books are. And I might have missed that opportunity. Well, I mean, I know what you mean because as you know, and and the the listeners probably don't know, I mean, I 
had a terrible start to my writing career as well with a, a, a tiny Glasgow publisher yes. who I will not give the oxygen of publicity to yeah. by naming them. But they were so bad. And when Hugh Andrew in the shape of Polygon came running over the hill on a white charger to save, because I was going to stop writing him as I think I've said yeah. before, um, and Daly would have died on the spot. And it was more frustrating because um, the first book was published, Whiskey from Small Glasses was originally published in November of 2012. Yes. And as you remember, and then um, we had Book of the Week in the Herald newspaper between Christmas and New Year, which was mm-hmm. great. And then folks started contacting and say, we can't get a hold of the book. Oh, where's the book? It's not in the bookshops. It's not here. It's not there. It was nearly nine quid in Watson's or some, in the, on Amazon or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so disappointing to have the elation of being published and then to have the really downside of being you know, it was just, you know, I, mean, I felt, felt crushed. So I can't, that's why I, I can so empathize with the way you felt after it happened twice to you. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably the the hardest thing. But it's a yeah. strange business that, that we're in. Who You've been, you know, you go and see a lot of authors as well. You go and see them in, in bookshops and in festivals. Yeah. Who have you seen recently? Uh, well, I went to Bloody Scotland in September and I got to meet the lovely Amanda Sue Heller, who I was um, delighted to meet because she has actually, she's been a lovely support over the years. Uh, Back when I was self-publishing in the very beginning, um, you have these horrible trolls on Facebook and all these places and one woman or man or person sent uh, a message to me saying that my um, writing was absolutely awful. However, they were willing to, yeah, they were willing to offer their services uh, for a small fee in order to get the book to where it should be. Um, and I was new to the industry. I had no idea that this kind of stuff happened. So um, Amanda Sue Heller had the loveliest advice and um, she was very supportive. And we've just kept in touch over the years. Um, and I got to meet her uh, in September and it was so nice. She was really lovely. We stood and chatted for a while Um and it was lovely to get a signed book. Uh, I met quite a few people uh, back in September, um, but Body Scotland's my favourite f- crime festival to go to. Um, yeah. I got to see uh, two crime writers live on the Friday night. I get, got to meet Richard Osman from Pointless. Um, he's tall and he's a big guy. He is a very, very... I mean, I thought my husband was tall, um, but this guy's uh, exceptionally tall. Um, it would be interesting to see him and Greg Davies standing next to each other to see <laughs> which, uh, which one is the tallest out of the two. Um, oh, see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, Bloody Scotland is a fantastic festival and um, I, you've, I think you've, you've appeared at it, haven't you? you you've done the... Uh, no, it wasn't Bloody Scotland I appeared at. I appeared at I Write. Um, in March of 2016, uh, I did Noir at the Bar. Um, I did that, yeah, I did that, which was terrifying because it was the first time I'd actually stood up and did a reading from my book uh, in front of not just writers that I had read for years and and, and looked up to uh, and were inspired by, but there were around two to 300 people sitting in the audience staring and I was the first person to stand up and read. Um, I don't actually know how I managed to do that. It was a good thing there was a bar. <laughs> you see, I, I avoid reading at all costs. Yeah. Um, as you probably know, because you've seen me quite a lot of times barbling away a lot of nonsense on stage somewhere. And I, I, I because... You know, I think when there's an event like that, I think it's great for writers that are coming up. But once people have heard you once, 
I think that no, it's think. yeah, it's done. You just you do something else. You just kind of you kind of change it up every time you do an ah, event, don't you? But it's like it's like you're only as good as your last book. So you've got to be different every nearly every time you're about. Mm-hmm. And I think it's crucial for for us all. Um, and as I say, you can come out. With, I mean, anyone of us can come out. I mean, I always worry every time a new book's coming out that folks just can say, "No, that's just rubbish." Yeah, um, it's you do you. I I think every writer has that fear don't they well I certainly do um when you send that that manuscript off to your publisher for the first time and you think <laughs> they're going to hate it they're going to hate it they're going to cancel my contract they're not going to publish it uh, and it's just it's just the way that my brain works I don't know if anyone any other writers are the same oh, no, but... the worst the worst possible person is Douglas Skelton really he's racked with for some reason and I don't understand why this is he's racked with doubts um, and he would have been with us this morning, but he spent last night carousing with the Faculty of Advocates in Edinburgh. Right. Now, it's a project they've been, they're involved in, and we're going to be talking about it in next week's podcast or the next podcast. But uh, he has he has been involved with a play which actually takes place in actual courthouses. It was uh, it ran through bloody the time of bloody Scotland, and it's been um, there's various other places it's going to be going on for. It's called You Are the Accused, mm-hmm. so it's a very interesting concept. But but Douglas was away whining and dining in Edinburgh. Very nice. Well, I phoned him this morning, and you know it was like talking to a damp rag, the poor man, and he's getting on. You know, <laughs> no, he's not. He's I'm not sure he'll man. appreciate you saying that. <laughs> no, I mean, I think he acknowledges himself. I mean, this is a man who's, I think we discussed in the last podcast, he goes out and he dips, he dips his oil scent, oil heating boiler, well, his, his tank, you know, just to check how much, he's got an experiment to see how much fuel he's using every day on central heating. And then he doesn't put his, his, his central heating on until about maybe four or five o'clock. Oh, re- oh well, I know it's far too cold for that. Mine's is on all the time. But he's like the Michelin man during the day. He's got about 16 jumpers on and four coats. <laughs> and but poor Douglas is racked with doubts. I mean, and I'm I'm a wee bit the same. I'm I'm also you look at it, you think, I don't I mean, is this this good? And then you send it to your publisher and you turn around and go, oh, this is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I think, wow, how did yeah. that happen? And that's that's always a huge sigh of relief, isn't it? Uh, very much so. And I I often feel like a fraudster um when people pop on, you know, various book groups on Facebook, oh, I've read Alex Kane's book, I loved it cover to cover blah 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 and I think but that 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 can't be right <laughs> that's not me I know it's a strange and I get it's when you get messages from all over the world from Australia and America and India and, and you think well is that that's that's really odd this is an odd, yeah. it's an odd life to be in let's be honest yeah it's a very it's a very um surreal experience um when you have grown up reading these people and and wondering where books come from when you're a child you know I remember kind of getting to that age where I had I'd said to my mom you know people write these books and she was like well yeah that's where you know people sit down and write them that's where they come from they're not just generated by a machine and when I made that connection in my brain when I was just maybe like seven or eight years old I think that was kind of where my interest grew in terms of writing a story so um to be part of the industry even having my small part in it it's just it's a it's a very strange feeling it's a very strange business all told because suddenly you're propelled into um television studios and radio studios and you meet people that you've only ever seen on television or you listen to in the radio or 
authors that you admire greatly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really is as a, a strange one of my great regrets is that the late great Ian Banks um, died uh, before I came onto the scene because I'd love to have sat and chatted with him because he's one of my literary heroes. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I did have the pleasure of seeing him once at a book festival and he was magnificent in the way that he handled the whole thing and and yeah. he was a you know he, he was a guy who wrote as he was you know you you could imagine why he wrote the books that he did because that's what he was like in real life if you know what i mean yeah uh, so new projects emma what yeah. is on the pipeline apart from the one you're writing just now have you thoughts of different series are you uh different? well they're probably all going to be standalone um mm-hmm. psych thrillers kind of crime ganglandy type thing there there's a whole mash of genres in one book when it comes to my kind of level of writing uh, sure. i can't really put it into one category um so i'm writing this one at the moment and then i have a uh, two other books uh, which are due uh, so i have two books two books due out next year and then one uh the following year i'm sure uh i can't remember for certain but uh, yeah i don't want to say too much because you know when you're in the very early stages like things take drastic turns and changes um and you end up writing something completely different to what your original idea was so but yeah i have um three in the pipeline over the next year and a half time that always sounds to me i mean it's it's been publishers ask you for right give us a synopsis of your next two books Mm. And I think to myself, well, you know, I'll give you a synopsis, but it'll probably turn out entirely different uh, yep. to the synopsis that I've just given you. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit like for anyone in business, like a business plan, when you write this business plan. And we're going to have uh, 18% growth in the first year and 22 in the, and they don't really know. Yeah. And how can you predict that? You can't. Well, I mean, this is the thing. If you ever watch Dragon's Den. Yeah. Um, that's what they say, you know, the guy'll stand there. She says, well, we're predicting in the first year of growth of a, we'll be earning, um, turning over one and a half million in the third year, it'll be four and a half. But that's just nonsense because yeah. nobody really knows no. how anything's going to happen. Um, you know, I mean, that, my book, next book's due out in May, June next year called mm-hmm. Jeremiah's Bell. And mm-hmm. it, it might just, just no, nobody just might not like it. You just, no, I know. I, de- I highly but, doubt that. Apart from the anti no, Manny Cafe will definitely be singing your praises. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and while we're on the subject of Douglas, we were talking about Douglas just a wee while ago. Yeah. Uh, his bits, we're recording this on Saturday. Mm-hmm. The, what date is it? I'm uh, lost. 16th. 16th. We're recording this on Saturday the 16th. And as we speak, Douglas's cover reveal for his new book, Bluk, it's a book. <laughs> his new book, The Blood Is Still, is, is on social media as we speak. So, oh. If, oh. Even though you're going to listen to this sometime later on, have a look at Douglas Skelton's social media, his Twitter and his Facebook and his website, and you will see the new cover of what is still due in March. Oh, fantastic. Because I actually saw Douglas at Bloody Scotland. Uh, he appeared on a, a Murder in Wild Places uh, panel with C.L. Taylor <clears throat> and uh, Lucy Foley. And I, I, I bought Thunder Bay. I haven't read it yet, but he made it sound fascinating. So uh, I'm definitely going to give that a go. Was he sober? Uh, well, I think so. He was very funny. It's hard to tell because, you know, he does spend a lot of his time, you know, in his cups as they say. Uh, as do know. all writers, eh? No, not not so much me now, because if I drink anymore, I'll just collapse and die. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, you're that's best not the, to then. That's what they told me at the hospital. says, you know, just Mr. Myrick, you know, this is it. Um, you're, one minute you're, you have something wrong with your it's arthritis, and the next minute 
you're going to die. Yeah, it's quite it's, it's quite a change. It's a you know I can have a have a sensible drama on a Saturday night. I have two or three wee drams watching the the BBC Four crime drama. You know the foreign one. Mm-hmm. It's it's Spiral that's on at the moment. It's an absolute it's a fantastic crime drama. Yeah, from France. Sadly, it's the last season of it. I think, but I I recommend it to everybody because I really really enjoy it. Yeah. So you've you've done your your audio books. How many books have you got on Audible? Just the one, just the one, uh, No Looking Back uh, is uh, on Audible just now, um, and I'm hoping that what she did will come out on Audible uh, also. Uh, it's just one of those processes, it just takes a wee while. Um, oh, it does. Yeah. It does, and I think Audible is a bit of a phenomenon because it's becoming so, it's becoming huge now, Audible. And much bigger than I think anyone thought it would would be. Certainly, yeah. when I I remember my ex agent telling me, "Well, I mean, you'll don't don't get too excited about Audible. You'll maybe make two or three hundred pound here and there." And mm-hmm. that's not been the case. I'm glad yeah. to say. Yeah. Uh, and I think Audible sales are growing exponentially every year. And it's I think I mean I get I get into them again when I was when I was ill. And if you're in a hospital, as you know, it's really difficult to get to sleep in a hospital ward. I can imagine. So I just sat and listened to audiobooks and and went and now I can't get out of the habit. Yeah, they're very they're very easy to draw you in. Um, I like to listen to audiobooks and podcasts when I'm driving to and from work or if I'm going long distances. Um, sure. So when I was driving down to Harrogate in the summer, I listened to um, the podcast Crime Junkie, um, and it's a true crime pro- podcast based in Indiana, and they will um, research um, ongoing missing persons cases or solved missing persons cases and they will um they will give you all the the kind of facts and the evidence and what the press did and it's it's fascinating to listen to um so i listened to several episodes of that driving down to harrogate uh, in the summer um and it just it completely it just makes the time go by so quickly yeah, I mean, and and on that subject, there's more about um, true crime podcasts coming from. This is a Houses of Steel production, by the way, oh. and Houses of Steel are going to produce more real crime um, podcasts. Okay, um, mainly by the aforementioned Douglas Skelton, but others as well will be doing mm-hmm. some of that and doing a lot of other other kind of stuff as well. And I hope you shall be a regular contributor to our podcast, Emma. Oh, I would love to. Well, super stuff. Well. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having um, me. It's been it's been great and continued success. I'm, uh, I can't tell you how pleased I am that things have worked out for you in the end because, you know, I really felt for you during the times when you were signing up with publishers and they were collapsing left, right and centre. Yeah. You signed up with Pan McMillan and then them going to the wall. And- yeah, I, actually, I had a conversation with Douglas uh, back in Stirling in September and we, we had this um, brief conversation and we kind of mm. came to the conclusion that perhaps I was the bad omen. <laughs> Maybe oh, no. signing me. And they were thinking, oh gosh, what have we done? Collapsed. You can so, just imagine your book getting made into a Netflix series and Netflix just going under completely. God. <laughs> Hopefully not. Anyway, Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a Houses of Steel production. Books, please sign up, uh, subscribe on your platform, podcast platform of choice, and listen in. Don't miss an episode. Uh, that was uh, Emma Clapperton, Alex Kane. Thank you very much, and goodbye. <laughs>